As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This episode of the Bear Stalk Underground is brought to you by the Locker Room app. Guys, it is an exciting brand new app that I just, I'm very privileged to be a part of. I have a live show on at Club 34-7. Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7 every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. And the app itself, Locker Room, is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Uh, you can talk to me, other fans, athletes, insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news, uh, and so, so much more. You know, and, and the live, uh, the, 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 the app is there so you can start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Guys, this is something I plan on using uh, during the season. You know, to to maybe do some watch parties. Maybe we'll try it out during the during the preseason. Uh, have some watch alongs. Have some, you guys come in and talk to me uh, while we're watching the games and all that kind of stuff. We can talk with other fans, insiders. Uh, you know, join in on the conversation with me. All you need to do to get on the get in on the fun is download the locker room app free in the iOS app store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join in uh, on the fun. Uh, you know, follow me, and you can be notified when my room goes live and it will be going live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. It's the Locker Room app. It's Club 34-7 on the Locker Room app every Wednesday at 8. Be sure and, and join in on the fun. You don't want to miss it. What's up, guys? As we are moseying right along with our opponent previews, we are now in the uh, basically kind of like the halfway point of the NFC West team number two. We got two more to go next week with uh, Monday and Thursday with the Rams and the Seahawks to wrap things up before we move on to the AFC North. But this week, Jess Root, one of my, well, actually legitimately the first guest I ever had on the show uh, when I started doing interviews back during the 2015 season, Jess Root was the first person that I ever had. And uh, so we've come full circle uh, with the Bears and the Cardinals meeting once again here in 2021. Uh, he comes to uh, to help preview the preview the 2021 Arizona Cardinals, a team that's they're in an interesting spot right now because it's it's year number three of Cliff Kingsbury as uh, head coach, year three uh, of Kyler Murray uh, as their starting quarterback, and they've made progress in each of the last two seasons. You know, they were one in 15 or two and 14, whatever they were to get the number one pick uh, back in, in 2019 when they drafted uh, Murray. And in the 2019 season, they went five and 11 last year, eight and eight just missed out on the playoffs. So they're looking to progress even further, you know, win nine, 10 games, whatever it is to, you know, get themselves into the playoffs. That's what the progression is telling them that they should be doing. The problem, however, is that they're in the NFC West, where the 49ers, the Rams, and the Seahawks all reside, and they play each of those teams three times, or excuse me, twice a year. 
And, uh, you know, the uh, the Seahawks and the Rams did make the playoffs last year. And the 49ers, if not for being ravaged by injuries and things like that and having their roster decimated, were good enough to make the playoffs last year as well and are looking to do so this year to rebound from, uh, from a disastrous uh, 2020 season. And the Cardinals are right there in the middle of all of that. So it's like, will they be able to to maintain in the division. They were two and four in the division uh, last year. I believe they were, they were, they were swept by the Rams, I think, and split with the Seahawks and the, and, or I think they, or they, they got swept by the Seahawks, whatever it was, they split with one. Uh, they, they got swept by one team and split with the other two. So they were two and four uh, in the division. And the division is supposed to actually kind of be better this year. You know, the Rams uh, with, with Stafford kind of look to be the class of the division right now. The Seahawks are nipping at their heels. The 49ers, you know, have one of the better rosters in the league uh, at this point. And then you have the Cardinals, who who look like the team poised to be in fourth place, but still might have something to say in the playoff picture if it all works out. So it's an interesting spot that the Cardinals are talk about that uh, at length during the uh, during the interview, you know, and, and also it was very interesting. They had a very interesting off season where in an off season where, um, you know, we had the lowered salary cap because of the COVID effects and, and things like that. A lot of teams weren't going out and spending big money on free agents and, and signing a lot of guys to bring them in. I mean, like most teams like the bears were trying to fill the back end of their roster uh, in free agency. Whereas the Cardinals on the other hand, were true buyers uh, in the free agent market and J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, uh, Rodney Hudson, and so on uh, to bring in a bunch of different uh, players to kind of juice the roster up to try to make a run to bear to to basically bear up for for this season where you know the the Rams look to be better, the Forty ers are going to be back, the Seahawks are the Seahawks. The Cardinals had to do something to uh, to try to match up with everything that those uh, other teams in their own division. Uh, are doing to try to keep their head above water uh, against the teams in the NFC West. So the Cardinals are an interesting team. Uh, I enjoy talking to Jess. Always nice to have him back on the show. And you always remember your first, guys. You absolutely do. So what do you say we go ahead and bring Jess Root in from the Rise Up Sea Red podcast to help me with the preview of the 2021 Arizona Cardinals. It is the NFC West opponent preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. And here we are, our next uh, NFC West uh, opponent preview. We have the Arizona Cardinals. And, um, you know, I've been doing the uh, interviews. I've been doing the show since 2007. Didn't start doing interviews until 2015. And here we are once again, the very first guest I ever had on, the, on what, what, what used to be the Chicago Bears review, but is now the Bears Talk Underground from the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. It is Jess Root. Jess, welcome back to the show, man. I'm glad to be on. It's good to talk, as always. So let's talk about this uh, this division you guys are in. I mean, it's it, it it almost sent three teams to the playoffs last year. The Cardinals just kind of got out of Chicago's way and let us go to the playoffs uh, last year. You guys had a, they had a tough second half 
uh, of the season. The Rams and the Seahawks made it in. And now this year you have those two teams back. You have the 49ers who are seemingly past now. The Super Bowl loser curse that decimated their injuries last year and all that kind of stuff. It's going to be a tough road to hoe for the Cardinals to try to find a way back uh, to the playoffs with those other three teams in the division, probably regarded as the best in football right now. I, I think you have to agree that from top to bottom, at least from top to bottom, the the NFC West is is formidable. Uh, obviously, the the NFC NFC North has its own has its own good stuff. Sure, because you've got you've got the Packers at the top. You have you know we'll, we'll see what happens with Chicago this year mm-hmm. with with <laughs> Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. Right there, I mean, they were a playoff team a year ago. Uh, you've got the Lions, which are a mess as always, and the Vikings. They are around. They should have been better last year. Yeah. So it, it should have been better last year. And then there's some other there's some other really good divisions, but there's usually a, a team that is clearly lagging behind. And the only reason the 49ers lagged behind last year was the fact that they they lost Jimmy Garoppolo and so so many players yeah. to injury. So yeah, this division from top to bottom. And, and it's, here's the thing: the Cardinals. The Cardinals are considered the the greatest underdog. They're predicted to be finished fourth in the division. And if you're looking in terms of predictions and betting odds, that's really the smart way to look at it because the Rams added a quarterback. They had the top defense last year, and they upgraded a quarterback. And I think Matthew Stafford is going to be really good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I see him – now, granted, the, the Rams weren't in the same type of position the Cardinals were back in 2012 – but the effect that Carson Palmer had on the Cardinals, yeah, I think Stafford can have. I think he makes them potentially an elite team, sure. which is scary. Seattle's always in the mix, but the, the it's hard with them because you've got Russell Wilson and you've got a bunch of question marks all over the place because defensively they progressively seemed to have downgraded in terms of talent. They have some good talent this year, but it does – the, the offensive line is an issue. How how will his Russell Wilson's unhappiness this offseason affect the season? The 49ers, they're a wild card. Yeah. Because while they were in the Super Bowl two years ago, they were a surprise team for how they were a couple of years ago. And then last year, just all the injuries. And now they're basically they're giving the, there's going to be a transition from Garoppolo to Trey Lance at some point. And that's probably not how you want to go about things when you're, I don't know. Yeah. It's, I know Kyle Shanahan is soup trusts his system a lot. He, I, he might have the best overall offensive scheme though. It's one of the hardest to defend. Yeah. And when you add a guy like Trey Lance in there, but when you add his skill set, you're still going to have like he, what he has literally almost no starting experience at, at a, at any, at the, you didn't start much in college. Yeah. And I mean, Kyler Murray, who was at a big time program and just had the one year of starting and, you know, was basically the best player in college, arguably the best player in college football. Yeah. He came in and there were definitely things that needed adjusting that he had to learn. And I don't think Lance is at the level that Kyler Murray was coming out of college and the Cardinals still managed to only win 11, only win five games that year. Right. Well, I mean, it's it's an interesting, you know, um, outlook that that the NFC West 
has because there there isn't it doesn't appear to be a bad team in the division, but somebody's going to end up finishing last in that thing. And the funny thing is, with the seven teams now that make the playoffs, there's also an outside chance that everybody could go if things bounce their way or if the NFC West is as good as people think they might be. It's possible, but also really, really hard to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to do that because of tiebreakers and division records. Is basically, uh, the, I think the only scenario that that works is is no, there is not one team that dominates the other team's division. So they all finish like four and three, like three and three in the division. They all split their games <laughs> and, and then dominate the rest. I, I see how that could happen. But the problem is playing in the division is so critical to all those tiebreakers. And yeah, was it kind of bit the Cardinals in the butt. Ultimately, the Cardinals were a Zane Gonzalez kick in New England away from making the playoffs. And that, that's what it came down to. Yeah, they lost. They, they lost to, to, to John Wolford and to C.J. Beathard the last two weeks of the season. But if Zane Gonzalez makes that very makeable field goal at the end of the New England game, they're in the playoffs. Even yeah. if well, that all happens, they probably get you – know, and, you know, yeah. what happens against the, the Saints in, in that case or whoever they would have played, I don't know. But they were basically a playoff team last year. They sputtered down the stretch – this year is interesting because of the offseason they've had because they they clearly upgraded their roster. Yeah, I and was going to say, yeah. And yet, there's still a lot of uncertainty because of the way they built it. It feels like this is a team that, if everything goes right, could be really, really good. And if not, they could be middling. And I, I don't... You know, there is a feeling that maybe Cliff Kingsbury's on the hot seat. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Uh, but they loaded up on their team like that. Like you, you can't, you basically look across the board. They upgraded everywhere. So you, you basically stayed the same at running back. The offensive line by adding Rodney Hudson is definitely upgraded um, over what they had. So the, uh, the offensive line is better. AJ Green, even though he hasn't been super productive, the tape still shows the type of skill that he player that he is. And now he's not going to be their, their X. He's going to be their number two. He's going to be the Z. And he's not going to be the focal point of opposing defenses. Adding him to the mix is an upgrade to the receiving room. So the receivers are better this year. Yeah. The pass rush is better this year. The defense is like they're getting back Chandler Jones. They, they, they're brought back Marcus Golden. Uh, you have J.J. Watt. Now he plays in the interior and, the ex- and on the edge. The defensive line, as long as they're health, like their defensive line was a, there was one player who didn't end up on injured reserve last year on wow. the defensive line. So if they stay healthy, that's they're automatically better. Well, it's like the, I was looking at the at the offseason and, and in this weird, you know, COVID-affected salary cap year, the Cardinals appear to be the one team that was buying instead of selling out yeah. there this year. They go out and they get AJ Green, they get a JJ Watt, they 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 pick up Rodney Hudson off of uh you know off of the the trash heap because the Raiders for some reason didn't want him anymore. Uh Malcolm Butler comes in, Sean Williams from Cincinnati, Matt Prater, Brian Winters, you know, it, it's like you talk about the, you know and James Conner coming in, that's interesting for the for the running game as well. It's like you talked about how, you know, the 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 Cardinals were were maybe like one of the few like aggressive teams in free agency and and they're setting up to be really really good this year, but they're also kind of in a position 
that they could hit the reset button next year if this doesn't work out. Because I think Green, Watt, those are like all like one or two year deals. It wouldn't take long for the it wouldn't take much for the Cardinals to start over again if they had to. No, and that's kind of the the way they kind of designed it on purpose because of the contract situation for Kyler Murray. Mm -hmm. So he's going to hit year four next year. Right. And that's the last year that his contract is reasonable because (laughs) after that, even if they don't extend his contract, which they very well could do, if they decide to to wait a year and the fifth year option based on what he's done already, I think he's looking about $23 million in 2023 and that only could go up depending on what he does this year um but then that's he's gonna be he's gonna be a 40 to 50 million a year quarterback if he continues to do what he did this year or last year some guys got it rough you know yeah and i mean that's just the reality of how it is with quarterbacks. You've got your quarterback. And so while he's young and still is prone to make some mistakes, you've got to take advantage of this window. And that's what they've done. They've loaded up a bunch of veterans and then things don't work out. Now you have to have Murray be an Aaron Rodgers, a Patrick Mahomes type where the quarterback becomes the focal point where he has to elevate everyone else. While in this first four years, you bring a lot of talent that's elevated so that can help the quarterback. Otherwise, you have to hit on basically all your draft picks right. or your mid-tier free agents because you won't be able to afford big names. You, you basically, and we're almost to the point in the NFL where you're going to see stars and minimums. Right. Yeah, it, it's starting to get that way because the salaries and, and things like that, especially in the quarterback uh, era are, are are exploding right now. Forty million dollars is going to become or is becoming the norm for a star for a star quarterback. Like when the when there was the discussion earlier in the off season about the Bears possibly being interested in trading for uh, Derek Carr. He's under control with the Raiders for two more years at like $22 million, which sounds like a lot of money, but based on what, what most quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers or even like a Matt Ryan and, and God forbid Mahomes and whatever Lamar Jackson's going to get when Baltimore gives him his extension, 23 million is a drop in the bucket compared to what it's going to cost, you know, other, you know, to, to have other quarterbacks or like say if we even traded for Russell Wilson, that's going from twenty three million for Derek Carr to like thirty five, thirty six uh, for 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 Russell Wilson. So yeah, it's uh, the quarterback market is is insane uh, right now. So, but looking at some of your free agent losses, Hassan Reddick moved on. Patrick Peterson thought he was going to retire in an Arizona uniform. Is in my division now with the uh, the Vikings. Kenyon Drake goes to Vegas. Angela Blackson, he's with the Bears now. And you know, Mason Cole moves on to Minnesota as well. And what's the story with Larry Fitzgerald? Is he coming back? Is he retiring? Is he still teetering? Is he going to be like Brett Favre? Training camp comes and his teammates show up at his house and pull him out of the pull him out of vacation and to take him onto the practice field. I think he's retiring. I mean, based on what we've seen in previous off seasons, he would have made a decision right now. Sure, my take right now, he's waiting, and maybe there. There are some rumblings around here that he wasn't thrilled with how the organization handled Kyler in particular last year. Mm. Um, this is not this is not reported level stuff. Sure, but some people who have some insider have suggested that Fitzgerald and Kyler didn't necessarily bond all that well, and. 
Fitzgerald would then, if he were to announce his retirement, it would then be how great the organization was. He'd have to be put on his happy face. And sure. he's might not right now, not necessarily in a place to do it. So I don't I don't necessarily think I don't think he's waiting to decide to play. I think it's deciding when to retire. Sure. And, you know, I, I heard now I this would go against everything you said for the last few years that Tampa Bay made a run at him and he considered it, even though he said he'd never play for anyone else. But the Cardinals. So, no, Fitzgerald's, I honestly Fitzgerald's career is he's done. Um, not that he's a wa He's not washed up. He's just done. Right. If you look at like last year, he had his lowest production across the board. Only one touchdown, fewer catches, fewer receiving yards that he's ever had in his career. He caught COVID. He he got hurt at the end of the year, even missed the season finale. That's how in in a game that was a potentially playoff clinching game. Mm -hmm. He he sat out because he wasn't healthy enough. And it, and if there was even a chance he could have played, he'd have done it. And so physically, I think he reached his point. Um, I and honestly, in terms of the Cardinals, they kind of needed to move on from him because of what he'd become. I mean, you can't pay $12 million to a guy that's going to get you 50 catches in 600 yards. Yeah. 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 I mean, and he's a free agent on top of it uh, as well. So he can basically yeah. do whatever he wants. He could go to right. Tampa if he wanted to, he could stay in, in Arizona or he could just uh, call it quits. I mean, he deserves to do whatever he wants mm -hmm. uh, at this point. He's, he's definitely one of those guys. that's should be a first ballot hall of famer when it's, when it's all uh, said and done. So, all right, so let's move on to, to draft night. And I really like the first two picks that you guys had. Zayvon Collins, the, the linebacker, the edge rusher from Tulsa, and Rondell Moore, the wide receiver out of, uh, out of Purdue. They joined, the, uh, you know, they joined some, some, some pretty decent uh, position groups. You know, the pass rusher for, for Collins, he's, now he's in there with, uh, with Chandler Jones and J.J. Watts, and, 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 uh, you know, and Rondell Moore joins you know, AJ Green and, and uh, DeAndre Hopkins and things like that. These guys have some veterans to learn from, but they're also going to be expected to contribute this year. They are. Now, now Collins is actually, while well, he has the size of an edge guy, he's going to be playing off the ball. So he, he is. Oh, he's an inside guy. Yeah. He's, okay. he's, he's their Mike backer. Now okay. he has the size to play on the edge. He has a little bit of versatility, but what he played all through college was, was off the ball. And okay. so he's going to be their Mike. In fact, he's basically been anointed the day one starter, which is not, that actually, Jordan Hicks was a team captain, started every game for the last two years. It's put him in an unhappy situation. He hasn't. He he's holding out a training camp. Um, he was given permission to to seek a trade. Uh, he's not happy with the situation. Obviously, pride plays a part of it. He thinks he still can play, and and Collins has essentially been given the job. Um, wow. So it's going to be Collins and last year's first round pick Isaiah Simmons in the middle of the field, which gives, oh, my gosh, the athleticism, the size. They keep talking to a couple of trees. They're, they're six foot four. Um, Collins is 260, 265. Simmons is 238 and can run at 4-3-8-40. Both move extremely well. And so it's going to be fun to see. But there is some experience there. Um, yeah. So but but the athleticism is 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 undeniable. And ideally, what happens, and, and Vance Joseph, defensive coordinator, has the task of doing this. He was in San Francisco, uh, part of Billy Davis's staff at the time, or maybe it was Mike Nolan at the time, one of the two, where I think it was Mike Nolan at the time, when they had Patrick Willison, Navarro Bowman. Mm. And he thinks that they, he can see 
something like that as a potential. Or you look at even over the last few years, K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner. This can be a premium, premier, elite linebacker pairing. Um, but hopefully they, there aren't too many mental mistakes. Yeah. But yeah, yeah he, he's going to play right away. Rondell Moore's role is a little more up in the air mm -hmm. because they've already got three guys in Hopkins and Green and Christian Kirk. Though Moore, I think, will very quickly find playing time. He's going to primarily, he is going to take over the return game is what's expected this year. And kind of the role that I that Andy Isabella had, their their twenty their twenty nineteen second round pick, the the pick that they got for Josh Rosen, mm -hmm. who he has really kind of like based on his draft, he's underperformed. He hasn't done much, but I think he's going to take that role. So speedy, speedy, uh, like incredible, like runs angry, fast. Going to be that fourth wide receiver on those packages. He's going to be a gadget player for Jet Suites, and he's going to be someone to to who's really going to be really formidable. And the difference between, say, Moore and Andy Isabella, because they're compared a lot, is Moore is already the guy that the Cardinals hope Andy Isabella can be. Because at UMass, much smaller, he played outside, and mm -hmm. they want him to be a big-time slot guy. And sure. he just hasn't done it yet. Moore is already there. Yeah. Like he takes those routes, that slant route, the quick slant, and, and then he's scary. Um, Steve Smith, Tyreek, you know, Tyreek Hill type impact. And when he runs, watch out. Yeah. He's, he's looking to score every single play. And so that that's going to be fun to see how he's used as a rookie. And then beyond this year, Christian Kirk is going to be a free agent after this year. So I think if they let him go, it might be an easy thing to just slide more into that role. And he's going to be a big time player. Yeah, when I was uh, what what threw me off about Collins is like you said he's number one he's six four and he's also like two sixty that is an Esdruster you don't see yeah. guys that size playing on the inside uh, <laughs> is, these days we're talking Urlacher size yeah for sure for sure like that's why I thought he was an edge rusher because I remember just looking at him uh, you know when when uh, when the GM was making the call he's sitting there with his family and and everything and he's this monster in between all of these these people and he stands up he's like nine inches taller than everybody in the room uh and everything is like there's an edge rusher for arizona you watch him and it looks like he's twice the size yeah of everyone else on the field it's like video game like when you when you put out there out there and you design it like a giant player that you created right he looks so much bigger than everyone else yeah that's what happens when you get uh an elite athlete in conference usa he will stand out no matter what so uh, moving on to your, you didn't uh, didn't have a third rounder, but you go from the fourth round, Marco Wilson, a corner out of Florida. You got a defensive end, uh, Victor mm. Dimikaji. Dimikaji, thank you very much. Defensive end out of Duke, another corner, take Gowan out of U UCF, and then to round out the seventh round picks, James Wiggins, a safety out of Cincinnati, Michael Manet or Minette? Manet, Minette, 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 center out of Penn State. Who do we like out of these day three picks? They are really high on Marco Wilson. Um, they see a guy who has first-round talent but has an injury history, and he's an elite athlete. He's torn both ACLs. Now, wow. if you look at his, at his pro day workouts, we're talking, what, I think a 42-and-a-half-inch vert, 4-3-something um, 40, I think it was, and that's on a guy who's recovered from two torn ACLs. So it hasn't his, affected his explosiveness. It's so explosive. They, they got 
they got guys with an injury history, but who have recovered from them. So the it, the athleticism is elite. His freshman year, he was really good. Um, some of his tape is inconsistent, but when you when you go on D three, so you've got a guy with first round skills with inconsistent play. They like his potential as both the versatile inside outside guy. Um, I don't think he he's gonna they they have the roster set so he shouldn't need to play this year. So if if he if he performs, then it really is something because they've got three or four guys ahead of him. Um, Tay Gowan is is intriguing in terms of a man press corner outside corner, um, but he, I think he's going to be all special teams right now. Demikaji's going to is an interesting pick. He's kind of a guy like he's. He's like a more athletic Marcus Golden that they drafted on day three who can do stuff on special teams. He could be a nice rotational guy. I don't know how much to expect from this year. James Wiggins, he didn't. He, he came back from an ACL as well. Last year he looked tentative, but again, coming back from that ACL, he was, a, he was an athletic freak, an incredible um, playmaker for Cincinnati two years ago mm-hmm. uh rather three years ago because he had the ACL the next year and then last year he came back and wasn't quite the same player but he is he should be a dog on special teams Manette I I don't know what, about that pick that was <laughs> that was I think I know some people like him but the Cardinals already have Rodney Hudson and Lamont Gilliard on their roster as center and Max Garcia who can also play center the Cardinals have a habit they they take day three offensive linemen it seems every year just for the heck of it sure I don't uh, if he makes the roster, I'll be surprised. Now, as a nice developmental guy, like what can you expect from a 247th pick? You can't expect much. Um, I just thought that there were other things that they could have done with the pick. Okay, there's nothing particularly special about him, honestly. Anybody and in he the... Looks, he, he looks like, if you look at, like, he looks like, if you've seen a picture of this, the Cardinals released that, uh, some pictures of him after he, for his promotional stuff after he signed his contract. Uh-huh. He looks like a 30-something... <laughs> ex-athlete who coaches high school okay <laughs> is he already going bald or something yeah, or is, the, is bald is he that is right bald. okay okay so there's where that comes from he already looks like a soccer dad or something like that yes, he does remember to bring the orange slices dude <laughs> so uh anybody I mean, for him. It's, it's, it, I, I don't mean to to slight him sure i just like on the roster i think he's redundant and i don't think there's really a place for him on the 53 practice squad. Cool. If he, if he can clear waivers and make the practice squad, there's always value in that to become and develop into a depth guy. Just, I thought it was a weird pick. Sure. Anybody amongst the undrafted free agents that you're excited about? They only had four. They wow. Had four Cause they, they filled the roster almost completely. And I, I think what this was is they had, there were so, so many fewer draft prospects this year. And I don't think they liked the the overall class. And so before the draft, they they really filled the offseason roster with guys that they had scouted the last couple of years. Hmm. They only brought in four undrafted guys. Two were tight ends. Kerry Angeline, a tight end. Bruno LaBelle, another tight end. They brought in Lorenzo Burns, a, a defensive back from the University of Arizona. And, oh, I can't remember the fourth guy. Oh, Cam Cameron Murray, a defensive tackle. The tight ends... Mm-hmm. Have a chance just by nature of the fact that the Cardinals have almost nothing in terms of tight end depth. Depth. They've mm-hmm. got Max Williams, Darrell Daniels. If you've ever heard of a Darrell Daniels, I, I know who he is, but right. probably no one else in the league knows what a Darrell Daniels is. And then pretty much they have nobody else who's played much. Okay. In the league, 
they, they've go. There's Ross Travis or Travis Ross. That's a two first name guy. I think it's <laughs> Ross Travis. He has a little bit of experience, but again, outside of some diehards, the only name you've heard of is Max Williams. And while he was really good in 2019, the tight end position is kind of overlooked on the Cardinals as it is. And he, Max Williams is talented, but he's only got one year where he played the full season. Okay. <laughs> this episode of the Bear Stalk Underground is brought to you by the Locker Room app. Guys, it is an exciting brand new app that I just, I'm very privileged to be a part of. I have a live show on it, Club 34-7. Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7 every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. And the app itself, Locker Room, is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Uh, you can talk to me, other fans, athletes, insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news, uh, and so, so much more. You know, and, and the live, uh, the, 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 the app is there so you can start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors and games. Guys, this is something I plan on using uh, during the season, you know, to, to maybe do some watch parties. Maybe we'll try it out during the during the preseason, uh, have some watch alongs, have some of you guys come in and talk to me uh, while we're watching the games and all that kind of stuff. We can talk with other fans, insiders, uh, you know, join in on the conversation with me. All you need to do to get on the get in on the fun is download the locker room app free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter and join in uh, on the fun. Uh, you know, follow me and you can be notified when my room goes live and it will be going live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. It's the Locker Room app. It's Club 34-7 on the Locker Room app every Wednesday at 8. Be sure and, and join in on the fun. You don't want to miss it. <laughs> All right, so I know you got uh, we're, we're short on time with, with you, so let's run through the schedule uh, real quick and take a look at it. You know you got the NFC North because that's why that's why we're talking, and from the looks of it, you got the AFC South as well this year. Yeah. So, uh, and it's prevalent right off the top. You you start on the road at Tennessee week one. Julio Jones week one. Yeah, and uh, then you're on the road at Minnesota, home oh, for actually, the. That's our home opener. That's you're right. So Pat I'm, I'm reading it comes backwards. Back to Arizona. Yeah, he's so and he says he's gonna do what he's gonna do, which is <laughs> so home <what>? for the <laughs> home for the Vikings. So is, is he gonna miss tackles? Yeah. And, and get lost in the middle of the field when we when we do on a slot run. I don't know. I love Pat. I love it. I'm sure he had moments last year. Yeah, you there hate to see it, man. He was shut down, but his his good was good, but his bad got really bad. Yeah, that's you hate to see that, man. Especially when when someone was as elite as pa- at, as Peterson was, you know, in his career with the with, with there wasn't anything he couldn't do in coverage, and then he was also a special teams ace from time to time. Uh, almost like a weapon that the the Cardinals used. They didn't, didn't always put him out there, but when they did, he, he always made offense. something happen. He, yeah, he, he caught a pass. He he completed a pass that back in that was granted. They had a year. I think it was twenty fourteen. They had almost nothing to receiver, and so that's what they they brought him in and used him on offense a little bit. Yeah. So on the road at Tennessee, home for the Vikings, and then at Jacksonville at the Rams. So three out of four road games right off the bat. Uh, for you guys, home for the 49ers at Cleveland, then home for the Texans Thursday night, quick turnaround with the Packers. That's going to be an interesting one. 
especially since we still don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to stick to is his it guns. Is Jordan Love? Is yeah. It Aaron Rodgers? I Who hope knows? to God it is, man. I, I at least want to have a chance in the division <laughs> this year. You know, especially this year of all years, I would like Aaron Rodgers not to be a problem for us, but or anybody else for that matter. And then before the bye, we're at San Francisco, home for the Panthers at Seattle. So looking at last year's schedule, you guys were 8-8, eight and eight, Two and four in the division. So that was the big Achilles heel for you guys. And the one great advantage you guys had with your schedule last year was that you guys played the NFC East, which was by far the worst division in a long time in the NFL. And you were undefeated against the AFC East and like four and six against everybody else or four and four or whatever against uh, everybody else. And you struggled into the, in the division. So the AFC South. They're kind of a question mark right now. Tennessee, yes. Houston, never mind. Jacksonville, meh, maybe. You know, and well, then and, and Indianapolis, the yeah. As as improved as they are, Trevor Lawrence, super promising. We get him in week three. Yeah. We get him in week three. So, I mean, as good as he might become, he won't be great in week three. Right. So, and you got your TV, national TV game, the Thursday nighter against the, the Packers, but that's at home. Uh, you guys have played some classic playoff games with Green Bay in that stadium. Mm-hmm. You know the uh, the hail mary from Rogers that went to overtime, and and you know Fitzgerald that crazy run he had at the end of that game, and then Go previously, to, yeah, that fifty four to forty eight, yeah, that game was bananas. Where Aaron Rodgers kicked the ball into so and so's arms and he runs it in for a touchdown, that was pretty great. <laughs> Also, I, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed watching Mike McCarthy fall to his knees when uh, when the guy was running it in for a touchdown. It was like, that was a beautiful moment. I enjoyed that. Oh, oh yeah. and, and then the, just even when the Cardinals were awful in 2018, when they got McCarthy fired. Yeah. Because they beat him in Green Bay with Josh Rosen. I love it. I love it. That was awesome. But uh, then after the bye, that's where we come in. You're in Chicago December 5th. I don't know how much you Desert Boys are going to enjoy that. Uh, coming to Chicago in December. Uh, that's, that's a worry game for yeah, me. Yeah, but it is, a, it is a noon game, so the sun will be out at least, but it might be Maybe. four below zero. Maybe. Yeah, so Maybe. we'll see how that goes. <laughs> then your, your lone Monday night appearance at home against the Rams before you finish out at Detroit. Home for the Colts on Thanksgiving, or excuse me, Christmas, Christmas Day. Christmas Day, then at Dallas, home for the Seahawks. It's an interesting schedule looking at this and, and, and considering what we were talking about at the beginning with how deep the division is, how tough the division is, how good the teams are. What are you looking at when, you, when, you, when the schedule came out, you take a look at it, you're being critical while also being biased. Where'd you hit with a win total on this? Actually, I, I, I think that, well, it's kind of critical that first, those first four games. Yeah. I think two and two. Mm-hmm. I think they could be three and one. Sure. Uh, yeah, in yeah. Those first four games, two and two is kind of the minimum. If they start out one and three, I think things will get very uncomfortable. Um, t- Tennessee, that's no easy game, but there's lots of uncertainty mm-hmm. um, offensively. Yes, they add Julio Jones, but they lost Corey Davis, they lost John Smith, they lost their offensive coordinator. So, you not only do they have a new offensive system, so it's not just Julio Jones learning the offense. The entire offense has to learn the offense in the first week. Yeah, and. The Cardinals, especially early in the season, were pretty good defensively last year. They are they look improved on the roster. And Tennessee's defense is not good. Right. So that should be that should be an exciting one. Um I look at the division, my division games, this is this is I've said this for years. Playoff teams, 
If you want to make the playoffs, you got to go three and three in your division. At if least, if you want to yeah. win the division, you got to go four and two. Right. At least, there's. I don't think there's any chance. So, if they get, the, if they can split those games, that's what I'm looking for this year is a split of those games. Um, ideally, like ideally, you don't lose. You don't get swept by anyone. Like obviously, you would be schooled to sweep, sweep someone, because if you split the division, you split all your games with all those teams, then you have no one that takes away that easy tiebreak sure and so if they get three games in the division they go two and two to start off the year i think this is a i think this is a team that will finish 10 and 7 and get into the postseason i think i want them just at minimum at minimum kind of what should be their progress should be what the cleveland browns did a year ago so they get double digit wins get into the playoffs win a game mm-hmm. um obviously we 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 they see this roster and it could it could be something special especially it could Kyle yeah murray takes yeah. another step and everything works out if everything works out this is the team that could go the distance mm-hmm. that said i'm realistic um they've done they made the progress they should have done the last two years they went from three wins to five and they were competitive in, in that five win season then they go to eight and eight now granted they kind of set the bar they they were ahead of schedule early in the season and looked right. like a legit playoff team yeah five but and when two you look, and when everything entered the season seven to nine wins was kind of the bar where they should be mm-hmm. and they had eight wins they were a kick away from the playoffs it was disappointing that they didn't get it but you look you look at progress that's what you want to see in a young quarterback and a, and a young coach right. and so they made the strides this year is super important so if they can get to they get 10 wins get to double digit wins that'll probably unless it's like the afc last year 10 wins should get them into the postseason I mean, eight wins almost gotten in the postseason last ten right. wins gets in the postseason, and then then you see what happens, and that's just the progress that you want to see. Ideally, with the roster that they built, if everyone's healthy, they can make a run. But ten and seven, making the playoffs, I can't pick them to win the division. I, I just think that's um, like the fan of me say, yeah, they're going to win it all, but like, <laughs> anyone like I've been following the Cardinals since nineteen eighty. Well, I've been. I've grown up here, so yeah. the cat got here in 88. I really started paying attention to him in 1990 when I was 13 years old. Sure, um, I've been excited about every single year. <laughs> and so I've, I've, I've bought the hype every, this is going to be the year, they're going to be better. Yeah. I've been disappointed hundreds of times, Sure, almost every single year. But that said, I think reasonable expectations and a reasonable prediction is to finish with a wild card spot when a double digit games being second or third in the division and making and making the postseason because yeah. the Rams I think are the are the are the best in the division. Yeah. If if they do what they do, I, I think Sean McVay's gonna have a blast with Matthew Stafford. I mean he's good. And I think in the right and with Sean McVay, I think he's gonna be great, which is really scary. Um I can't ever pick the Seahawks to not make the playoffs. Right. That's a dumb thing to do based on Russell Wilson's career. And then I, I think that the 49ers have potential, but they're they're gonna they're gonna make that transition to Trey Lance. And I don't think that's gonna be as favorable for them this year as it will be in years to come. Yeah, so, their their defense is gonna have seven, to be yeah postseason. Yeah, their their defense is gonna have to be suffocating for that transition to go smoothly. You know, like the defense is really going to have to tighten up to make up for uh, 
for the rookie being out there making rookie mistakes and, and things like that. And as far as the Rams, I just got done talking to my Rams guy, actually, and I was telling him, like, I think that Matt Stafford, after years of, of toiling in, away in, in Detroit, that this is by far the best team he's ever played on. He has, he has it because, well, I mean, because he made those, he made the playoffs back in 2011, 2014, where this was a guy that had to score 40 points a game because his defense was given up 35. You know, he's also played in an offense that's had, you know, Calvin Johnson and Kenny Galladay and the other targets that he's had over the years. But he's had, uh, I think he was telling me like eight to 10, 100 yard rushing games in his career in Detroit. So he has no running game, but that's what they do in, in L.A. They run the ball, and they run it well. So you're going to have to respect play action from those guys. Matt Stafford has got targets with with with, with Cooks and all those guys out there and, and uh, you know, a defense that's not going to give up 40 points a game where he's got to break the scoreboard uh, in order to win. This is easily the best team, you know, the best roster he's been surrounded by and the best coach that he's played for he personally is in a position to do things he hasn't done yet and that's saying a lot because he's done quite a bit even with what he had in Detroit that's true I'm I'm sadly (laughs) I'm sadly optimistic yeah what the Rams are gonna I think they are I honestly unless something happens to Stafford I think they should be the favorite to come out of the NFC this year you think so I mean yeah they were they had their moments last year when they looked like they were unbeatable and then right. they oddly fell apart right uh, at different point at different points um like the packers are good tampa uh, they're great yeah the problem is repeating with the exact same roster is so hard to do <laughs> and that and all they did was bring everyone back yeah and so i as much they'll be good but I think Staff, well, Stafford's a more talented passer at this point of his career than Tom Brady. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think offensively, their schemes are pretty equal. I think their skilled players are pretty equal. Um, the, the one thing, here's the one question mark for me for the Rams, and that would be the changed Raheem Morris as defensive coordinator. Um, because they already have, I mean, you have the number one defense. And then you lose your defensive coordinator. Well, we as the Bears, we know all about that. We had the number one defense with Fangio. <laughs> we had everybody come back, and he goes to Denver, and we were still good, but not great. Yeah, like we were the that, year that's before. The one question mark for me: if they are the, I think their upgrades. I think the upgrade at Stafford is going to mitigate that. Mm-hmm. I Tampa's bet. I like being Todd Bowles was here, right? And so I'm a big Todd Bowles fan. His there is really only one type of offense that is and it kind of goes like so the the Todd Bowles, the Vance Joseph and Wade Phillips. There's really one type of offense that is their kryptonite, and that would be Sean Payton slash Joe Brady's offense, Carolina, New Orleans, where they are they are patient and dink and dunk. Mm-hmm. It's a death by a thousand cuts. Sure. So if they don't create turnovers. Is that they, those are the those are the defenses that move up and down the field against those def, uh, those are the offenses that go to, that move up and down the field against those defenses, and so, yeah, I think that's that's basically Tampa has the edge defensively if they stay healthy, and it just it's really hard in this league to repeat, yeah, especially when you don't 
necessarily upgrade and the Bucks didn't upgrade. Right. They technically didn't need to upgrade because they were champions, but it's hard to do. Like when you, once you've already hit the pinnacle, it's hard to keep that same hunger because players then so once they've got all of theirs, like the teams, they want theirs. Well, and, and it's selfish, that, that little bit of selfishness, which players can have because they want to get theirs. They want they they deserve to get paid. Um, that's the part that's hard to that set that sets in. And I think Tom Brady is the right quarterback for that s- situation. And he seems to be the only one that can beat father time. Right. But is he going to beat him forever? Right. Is he going to beat him until he retires? That's the thing. Cause there were, it's like Tom Brady's numbers were off the charts last year, but you watch him play and you're like, he's, <laughs> he's not the quarterback he was, but then you look at the numbers he puts up and you're like, what the heck? This is the best year that he's had in years. Yeah. Well, Tom Brady or no Tom Brady, He's in the NFC now, and the NFC does not make a habit of sending the same team back year after year. Correct. So he's not in the AFC where it's New, where it's New England or the field going to the Super Bowl uh, year in and year out. Homes. Yeah. So I mean, it's he's in the NFC, and like I said, in the past twenty years, I I think there's only been one repeat conference champion. That was Seattle. 2013 2014 after that it's been a different team that's uh, every year i mean yeah it's like i went back and, and did the math a couple years ago <laughs> looking at it and it's like since 2000 you know the the afc has sent five teams to the super bowl you know it was new england pittsburgh indianapolis denver or the ravens and that was before kansas city finally came in the last two years and the nfc side they sent 12 teams <laughs> to the super bowl like the Giants went twice, the 49ers went twice, the Seahawks went twice, but then in between that you have you have the Bears, you have uh the you know Saints, the Saints you and you know all that kind of Philadelphia went in there, things like that. It's it's sprinkled throughout, you know, and the Giants and didn't the go Yeah, the of course, the Cardinals 2008, man. Great team. Love that game by the way. One of my favorite Super Bowls. So I, was, I still have, I still don't I think, think San Antonio I still don't think Santonio Holmes got that second foot down, man. I still don't see it. Every time I see the replay, I don't see the second foot touch. There is I, the, the photo they always show never looks right. Yeah, I have another shot. I have another photo that's un, it's it broke my heart because for years I was under the same thing. It was clearly it was it was a shot down the sideline right behind the official who could see it clearly, uh-huh. and he has both toes ball in his hand. Uh, it ruined my like world. no. <laughs> I was going to take that to my grave. How dare you? <laughs> and so so I went from, as watching that game, I went from when Blurry scored that touchdown. Oh, dude. We're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, my mind was blown. And then yeah. that drive. Just like, yeah, just takes it right out of you, man. Heart. It was just, of course. Yeah. <laughs> For me, course. it was, of course. All right. Well, Jess, I know we got to let you go. I appreciate the uh, the time. Uh, look forward to having you on in uh, December to preview that game coming off the uh, coming off to buy. See where our teams are going into that uh, Week 13 matchup. I think by then it'll be it'll be Justin Fields or think Andy Dalton still holding on to that job. By that point, who knows, man? <laughs> honestly, who knows? It it, it all. I, honestly, it does depend on Dalton. If he's playing well and we're winning games, then it'll be Dalton, and we can go the Pat Mahomes route where he's sitting and learning. Uh, but uh, you know, at the same time, how did the Bears go from? Nearly hitting Russell Wilson, signing Andy Dalton. Uh, you know what? I don't know, but I tell you what: 
there has never been, and I was just talking about this on Twitter yesterday, there has never been a bigger offseason turnaround than the one the Bears had. Because going into draft day, after we had been associated with literally every semi-available quarterback that was out there, Derek Carr, Matt Stafford, Carson Wentz, you know, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, you name it, we were connected to him at one point or another. And then to end up with Andy Dalton, and then the Bears going on social media with the QB1 photo uh, and everything like that. It was like, oh, dear God. And then we had no salary cap money, so we didn't really sign anybody you could be excited about. And then on draft night, they pull off this trade where they're able to go from 20 to 11. We get Justin Fields. Dave Gettleman, the GM for the Giants, God bless him, does not fleece us. Twice. Yeah, he doesn't fleece us in the deal. It's one first-round pick instead of, like, the three that we were expecting uh, and everything like that. We get fields, and then 24 hours later, we trade up and get Tevin Jenkins out of uh, Oklahoma State. So this draft, even if the rest of the picks after it don't work out, we could be drafting our cornerstone tackle and our franchise quarterback in the same draft. It'll go down as one of the greatest of all time if it works out. So My, my buddy on my, on my podcast – loves Tevin Jenkins. Yeah. Loves him. It's his favorite tackle in the draft. Well, it's like if we stayed at 20, that's the guy I wanted. I wanted Tevin Jenkins at 20 if we'd have stayed there and uh, we got him at 39. So I'll take that all day. So, <laughs> but uh, Jess, I appreciate it, man. It's the, the rise up sea red uh, podcast. Where can we find you online? Um, also at cardswire.com. That's the USA today NFL wire site that I run. Um, that's the easiest place to find me other than trying to find my Twitter, which is Senor Jess Root, S-E-N-O-R-J-E-S-S-R-O-O-T. But CardsWire.com, that's where I write my stuff. The Rise of Sea Red podcast, which is everywhere you can find podcasts. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm putting up another episode that we recorded last night. I'll be doing that in the next half hour. So if like Bears fans probably don't listen to a lot of Cardinals <laughs> podcasts, but hey, why not? Hey, I'm available Bears Cards Week. You know, we'll give them a reason to listen to the show, Jess. <laughs> All right, man. All right, take care. As always, want to thank my guest, Jess Root, from the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Be sure and check them out. Uh, and like, uh, like Jess said, you can always find them on Cardswire, uh, part of the USA Today uh, website to uh, to see his work there that he writes up on the uh, on the Cardinals and their goings on. So, um, you know, guys, like I said, I I love this time of year as far as being a podcaster. Hate it as far as being a football fan because this is like the desolate desert. No pun intended because we're talking about the desert Cardinals. But you know, it's just nothing going on between now and the um, and training camp, you know, like the Bears are in, are in the midst of uh, their their veteran mini camp, the mandatory uh, mini camp right now. The other good news is they signed their their their, their draft class. Justin Fields signed last week, and uh, Tevin Jenkins was the last domino to fall there. He signed yesterday, and uh, so the Bears are are fully stocked and ready to go uh, into training camp. And uh, that yeah, that's it. So we're this is this is what I do to stay busy to kind of fill in the gaps between the draft and uh the start of uh of training camp and um uh i i'm i'm anxiously getting through it and i'm having a great time uh talking to everybody reconnecting with guys like jess to have him back on the show and uh uh talk about our teams and uh enjoyed the uh the shared passion that we have for each one of our uh squats 
Uh, coming up next, we have Sosa K from Locked on Rams to help us preview the Rams. That'll be on Monday. And then we'll close up the NFC West with Michael Sean Duggar um, from uh, Dugar, excuse me, from the uh, Athletic in Seattle to uh, wrap up the NFC West talking about the Seattle Seahawks. Then we move on to the AFC North. And you'll notice a, a theme with the AFC North <laughs> as uh, after we talk to Lindsey Patterson from the Cincinnati Inquirer, it's locked on for the rest of the uh, rest of the division. We got locked on Browns, locked on Ravens, locked on Steelers. And the simple reason for why that is, when I reach out, those guys always get back to me. I just I have a, a great deal of luck with the locked on guys. They respond. I lock them in. No pun intended. So those are going to be the guests. It'll be Lindsey Patterson and the Locked On podcasts for the AFC North. Before we move on to our AFC, excuse me, NFC North brethren uh, for the Lions, the Packers, and the Vikings. Before we wrap things up with good old Lauren Cox and the Locked On Bears podcast to uh, talk about our beloved Chicago Bears. And I'm thinking that's going to time out to where I think it's just about a maybe a week or two before training camp starts so there won't be that big a gap between the last opponent preview and the next show that I plan on doing, which would be the preseason one review episode, uh, which I know is one we're all looking forward to because it will be the the first time we probably get to see Justin Fields and uh, what it's like to have the Bears in the stadium with fans again because uh, they did just announce um, this week that uh, that Soldier Field will be 100% capacity uh, this year. So the lowest capacity stadium in the NFL will be filled with the most loyal fans in the NFL. So we have that to uh, to look forward to. So. Uh, anyway, guys, that's going to do it. Come back on Monday when me and Sosa K break down the 2021 LA Rams and talk about how this might be. This is definitely the best team Matt Stafford's been a part of and speculate as to what that could lead to uh, for the Rams. So until Monday, my name is Larry D and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. 
Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.